look as I'm taking things off my wall. Look at this baby picture of Mary I received. Oh my god, I love that. <laughs> Isn't she so cute? And she has little teddy bears on her collar. I was just going to ask what's on her giant collar. <laughs> <laughs> little bears. Welcome back to another episode of The Pod. We are ready this time. We've been traumatized. Hopefully a one-shot deal. Um, But because we are negative people just at heart, we are talking about some throwback books and some books that we hated in high school. Um, Because as you all know, Shannon and I went to high school together. Um, So we're going to have like a brief little nostalgic moment. What book did you decide to recall today? You want me to start? <laughs> um, I feel like we might have picked the same one. Oh, did we? I don't know. I don't if know. We did. I feel like you knew off the bat what I was going to pick because I've been talking about it, but I picked Patch of Blue. So did I? <laughs> you did? Oh my God. I thought you were going to do Awakening, perhaps, if not Patch of Blue. No, I can't do Awakening at this point in time after I've read it like four times. <laughs> I would like to clarify that I had to read it for, sco- for school. Like, I think it was three times. I read it twice in college and once in high school. So maybe that's a later episode. I just, I've talked, I've spent too much time talking about The Awakening more recently in my life than I have talking about Patch of Blue. That's funny that you picked it. I didn't think you were going to pick this one. I thought you were going to go like Old Man in the Sea or something. Um, I didn't have as many issues with Old Man in the Sea as other people had. It Mm. was slow, but you know, I like Old Man. I like the sea. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I just don't like, what was weird about this one is I really had to like research because I didn't remember so much of what this book was about. I just remembered hanging on to like so much residual hatred for it at the time, but I couldn't remember why I didn't like it so much. Agreed. And I was absolutely shook to find, by the way, this is A Patch of Blue by Elizabeth Cata. Um, I was shocked to see that it has a 3.92 rating on Goodreads. Oh, I did not see that. Um, it has very good reviews. I was having trouble finding like a full synopsis on Goodreads. And this is because I realized in my research that it was originally released as the title was Be Ready with Bells and Drums. So that was the original title. And then it was adapted into the movie Patch of Blue, which was like really successful. It's like- It had Sydney Portier. Yeah, exactly. I also learned that Elizabeth Cata is not even American. She's not. She's Australian. I didn't know that. Did we know that at the time we read it? I don't know. You cannot I don't write remember. about American civil rights if you're not even American, if you're a but white then also, woman from Australia. I know. I was looking, though, and, like, I was looking at old reviews of the book and the movie, and all these journalists were like, it's presumably set in Australia. But then I was like... This feels American, huh. so I'm just confused. I think you don't know where it it's be supposed set to be. Anywhere. But um, maybe I just don't know enough about the civil rights movement in a global sense, but... Yeah, it just seems like a very American story. In yeah. That, you know, it has yeah, it all does. the classics of American literature, race relations. True. Being attacked by acid. <laughs> a greedy prostitute it has it all it has it all um 
Yeah, so the book was called Something Else. And then after the movie was so successful, the book was reissued as Patch of Blue. So I was like, oh, so in school we read the reissue of the book and not the original. I mean, I think it was the same. Yeah. But it just was re-released with a new title. Did we watch the movie in school? Because I don't remember if we did. We watched one scene from the movie, which was Mm. the first interracial kiss on film. Oh, interesting. I remember that much. (laughs) I didn't remember this. Um, Were we in the same class? Was this McCartan's class? Maybe. I think we were freshmen in high school when we read this one. I don't remember if we were in the same class, but I'm pretty sure you're right. We were freshmen. Yeah, because I was like, this one was a long time ago. And I was looking up the synopsis of the movie because I was trying to remember if we had watched it. And the ending of the movie is like totally different than the ending of the book. It's like very optimistic. And it's not how the book ends at all. (laughs) The book ends? Okay, shall we give a synopsis? A summary. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Patch of Blue by Elizabeth Cata is a 1988... No, the reissue is 1988, a 1961 timeless mm. love story <laughs> in which a young blind woman named Selena falls in love with this man um, whose name I'm blanking on. Uh, Gordon. Gordon. I was like, George, but that's wrong. Who falls in love with this man named Gordon? They're hanging out. They're falling in love. It's a beautiful story. She <laughs> finds out... Gordon is not what she thought he was. Gordon is a black man. Dun, dun, dun. The absolute worst thing that could happen to a blind girl in the 60s. Biggest plot twist. <laughs> um, yeah, but she's 18 and she's basically like a prisoner in her mother, Roseanne, and her grandpa, old pa's house. <laughs> um and we're laughing about this we're like this is really a sad story i guess or like her situation is sad um she uh is just like subjected to horrible physical and mental abuse she was blinded by her mother when she was five because her father caught her mother with one of her male clients and murdered him um and in retaliation selena's mom roseanne threw acid supposedly at him but it somehow traveled through the air and hit selena in the eyes directly and blinded her picked it up (laughs) i feel like you i I was trying to like imagine this situation because obviously i haven't read the book you have to be like so close to and like where is this acid from like what kind of acid And you have to be so close to someone to, like, throw it in their face with, like, enough force to bl- get in their eyes and blind them, right? So, like, how close were her she father had and- She seen it coming. <laughs> well, um, it's like that I don't shit. know about you, but I keep a vat of acid on me at all times. I keep that thing There's- on me. <laughs> I don't know if you watched the Coven season of American Horror Story, um, but Sarah Paulson gets blinded by acid getting thrown in her face. But literally, it's, like, she's in a bathroom and someone, like, attacks her and, like, is in, like, a cloak and, like, sneaks up, like, literally within a foot of her and takes a cup of acid and throws it in her eyes. So I'm, like, I feel like it has to be so deliberate. What is it about TV, movies, books, etc.? Like, 
people are always getting blinded by acid. I've never heard of that happening in real life. But I'm like, what kind of acid? <laughs> I throw tomato juice at you, you go blind. Because isn't like acetone acid? Like Okay, I feel like acetone would blind you. Like, yeah, it's not good, but... <laughs> I wouldn't be happy if someone threw acetone directly into my eyes. I guess I just want to know. I'm like, what kind of acid? I need to know more about this. <laughs> Why did she have it ready? <laughs> yeah. And, like, she had it ready. Um, she somehow missed her husband and threw it in her daughter's face instead. But I'm like, how? I need answers. We need answers. But I'm pretty sure she's like not really scarred otherwise, aside from her eyes being burned. Yeah. So it really was a direct shot. Well, she's, like, beautiful, you know? Like, that's the... Yeah. Part of the thing is, like, her family, like, just telling her that she's ugly and, like, a waste of space. And Gordon is like, you're gorgeous. You're beautiful. Oh. And she's like, I've see- I'm seeing myself differently than I've ever seen myself before, you know, figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> figuratively seeing myself. <laughs> So, yeah, this is how she's blinded. Um, Oh, and Selena also – okay, this was another thing that I have questions about. Her making money by stringing beads. What does that mean? I literally was – I was like, everything online just says that she supports herself by stringing beads and nothing more. So I'm like, is she making rosaries? Is it jewelry? Like, stringing beads for what what purpose? To what end? I don't understand. (laughs) Um, I want that job. That is my dream job. You think it's rosaries, though? Like, that's what I thought it was. That would make sense, but I feel like it's... Yeah, okay, it would make sense if it's rosaries because, like, she's living in a house of sin, so, like, the juxtaposition. But I Mm. pictured it as, like, you know when you go to Michael's and, like, you can buy the beads on a string to make your own necklaces? (laughs) She's just making crafts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so she's, like, crafting for this Polish immigrant who employed her. How they met, also, I don't know, because she never leaves the house. Sometimes a Polish immigrant comes into your life and gives you an opportunity. What if she just has, like, a really long string of beads? Like, for years, she's just been adding beads to this string. Well, like, she takes her, like, like bead stringing to the park. And, like, drops all her beads in the grass. And, like, this is how she, that's how she meets Gordon, I think, is because he helps her. Yes, they do meet. beads. But I'm like, what kind of beads? beads? Are you making rosaries in the park? I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, she's blind, so maybe she doesn't know what she's making, which is also... If any of our listeners have any job openings at their bead stringing company, please or can tell reach us, out to us bead stringing, please, because we don't know what the fuck that means. You know, we have at least one jeweler who has listened to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, our one jeweler. What does this book mean by <laughs> stringing beads? Um. So yeah, so she strings some beads. This Polish immigrant, I don't remember his name. I don't know if you do either. No. Whatever. It's not important. But he takes her to the park one day, and she's never been outside before, and she's like, you know, sensory overload, and she's like, this is amazing. So then after that, she basically, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, boycotts? (laughs) Goes on strike. I will say she goes on strike. She goes on bead stringing strike until she's allowed to go back to the park 
So her grandpa takes her and like goes to work and leaves her there all day. And this is how she meets Gordon. And like, they just continue meeting like this. But then it like, it takes an even darker turn. And I remember being in the ninth grade, age 14, reading this. And it was just matter of fact presented as, you know, that feel when your mother is a greedy prostitute who's aging and therefore is no longer making the money that she used to bring in. So she decides to reach out to the blind fetishist community and sell your virginity. And that was just yeah. something that we were like, okay, yeah, okay. You know when that happens. So they, do- <laughs> her mom is definitely trying to like force her into prostitution. Does she actually like does it is it anything actually happen or is the threat just there? Like I don't remember. I think Gordon saves her. So yeah, he like divide he basically like comes up with a plan to rescue Selena from her like abusive house and get her an education because she's never like formally been to school. Um and this plan is like in the works. Um but then one day at the park, um Gordon leaves Selena alone and she like for a few minutes and she like follows the scent of roses and trips and falls into this bed of roses and there are all the thorns and she's getting like poked in the face and she's like screaming because she like obviously wasn't expect like she doesn't know what's happening and um I literally reread the end of the book because I like found it online and couldn't remember exactly what happened at the end um because the movie ending was different, which I forgot about. But she's, like, screaming, and Gordon runs to get her, and, you know, he's like, please stop screaming, obviously because she's drawing attention to the situation and it looks bad. (laughs) Um, And as Gordon is afraid of, like, a bunch of white men are like, get away from her, like, whatever. They're calling him the N-word, and they think that, like, he's hurting her. And, like, a fight ensues, and, like, we don't really, like, know, like, what's happening because we're in Selena's perspective, so, like, she's just hearing things and, like, trying to process, I guess, and not understanding, and just, like, repeatedly denying that Gordon is black, (laughs) and then he runs away, and then, like, something clicks in her brain, and she's, like, I think at one point he had said that his favorite word is tolerance to her. And she's yes. like, oh. <laughs> no white person could like tolerance that much. <laughs> Selena's like, wait a minute. Wait a goddamn minute. You're black? Gross. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> I know. But then I think at the end she regrets it. Yeah, she does. But she still was like, I know. Get away she- from me. <laughs> it's not good. It's bad. It's bad. Um. Yeah, wait, I wanted, I wrote down the New York Times thing. The New York Times basically, like, raised questions of the likelihood of the situation altogether, like, of a young, beautiful white girl being physically abused, um, and her neighbors and friends know about it, and yet nobody does anything, like, and it's Gordon who decides to do something, and also, like, the situation like against the backdrop of the civil rights movement how we have like an educated black man versus an illiterate disabled white girl like she really has so much against her i know but then it's like against this political backdrop that's the angle we're going like yeah well i think it's interesting that they were like okay 
let's make him like the good character etc cetera, etc cetera. because i mean it wasn't done especially by like white authors at that time yeah. um but i don't know it just i feel like it was interesting that this was the first book i can remember being assigned to read that talked about race in any way whatsoever um and they're like yeah here's something so chaotic yeah read this yeah. <laughs> i also wrote down when we were like when she finds out that he is black and she's like in denial she says i hate black things <laughs> she's like i hate darkness i you know like about like her blindness but like girl <laughs> read the room <laughs> read the fucking room yeah so it's not good but i guess i'm just like i'm not sure what <laughs> she was trying to do with this plot yeah at this period of time um i was very surprised at how well received it is because i feel like Me a too. lot of times if you read the reviews on like a goodreads or an amazon or something like that the reviews are like by people not like actual critics are usually pretty bad for classics because there's a lot of like people who have been assigned them in high school that are yeah. like this book sucked <laughs> um but this one was a bunch of people that were assigned this in high school and were like this book was really good also okay i don't know if this is the same for you but like when i've asked my college friends if they've ever read this book they're like no i've never heard of that in no my life. i've never like, heard it why, mentioned anywhere outside of why did why was this in our class? curriculum like i don't and then you think about the things that, like, were taken out of our curriculum. <laughs> like, remember all the boxes of, like, copies of Jane Eyre that McCartan used to have? That the, And it was taken off the curriculum. It's like, why was Jane Eyre taken off the curriculum? This is still on there. Yeah. No, this one's quite random. We, like, why was any book by literally a single Black author not on our curriculum? Tea. Um, Especially like if we're going to talk about this. race. I'm like, I don't want to hear like a white woman write about the black experience. Especially not to double down on my anti Australian bigotry <laughs> from an Australian perspective. Yeah. When we live in America, the fact that they were even able to like meet in public every week and no one said anything. I and feel no like one said not- anything ring true to like the segregation experience of america but it's also like it's like he's like the great educator of the story like he like opens her eyes to life and like is at such a point of, of privilege to be able to be like i'm gonna help you i'm gonna get you an education and i'm like i think that's like the question the new york times was posing was like at this point in like what is the likelihood of that happening like there's only one martin luther king <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like i think he was like very much like i have connects like i'm gonna help you yeah he like he did have like connections at like a school for the blind right yeah blind up school for the blind like, what what are the chances and then it's like what are the chances too that like how are all of the white people that like surround this white girl gonna like allow for this to happen not that that's a good thing but where was the polish immigrant <laughs> I just, I don't really understand, like, what... And then the, the Polish immigrant was not concerned as long as those beads got strung. <laughs> those rosaries. Um, but in the, so in the movie, she does escape, and I think that she asks him to marry her. Um, Interesting. Or she, like, professes her love or something, and then, like, I think Gordon, um, like, 
doesn't reject her, but he's like, you need to go like get educated. And she like, goes off to the school the blo- for the blind or whatever. And he's like, when you co- like, we'll talk when you come back, <laughs> basically. Um, oh, also he's like 30 and she's 18. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's like a mentor mentee relationship. Right. Um, but also it's framed as like a romance. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and it, since you brought up, like, the fact that we really never read anything by a person of color uh, in school, I'm also just, like, if we're going to pick a work of literature from the civil rights era, this is what we're reading. Like, there's so much, and especially by, like, a white woman. Yeah. There's so much literature <laughs> from people of color during the civil rights movement that is so much more, like, imperative to- But Maddie, but Maddie that literature is by people of color. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sorry, we can't read that because the black person wrote that. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I think you're right. Like, I mean, what what I was thinking about, which is kind of upsetting, is like, when I think about why I hated this book in high school, these aren't the reasons why, you know? Like, I was like, yeah. oh, it's bad. Like, ugh, ew. Everybody, like, it's bad. Like, I think I disliked it because it felt so absurd but not absurd in the way that we're talking. Like, I feel like it felt absurd in the fact that, like, she was blinded by acid and, like, yeah. her mother was trying to literally sell her. And, like, or I think I was just like, oh, my God, like, he's black. Like, oh, it's the biggest deal. Like, blah, blah, blah. But, like it. <laughs> it wasn't, like, taught to us. Like, I just being, like, I don't know, taking literature classes in college, like, I just realized, like, all of the necessary things you need to talk about with literature to understand it. And like, we just didn't talk about like the cultural climate, political climate of that period of time at all, like in order to contextualize the story. I feel like if you're going to teach it, like you have, I feel like you have to kind of approach it from like a cynical questioning, like point of view. Yeah. But yeah, I, but I think the thing that, that sits so it like makes me uncomfortable and doesn't sit well with me is like the fact that I don't remember the reasons we're talking about now being the reasons why I didn't like the book in high school. Yeah, I think at age 14, I just found it very over the top. Yeah, I agree. Um, I was like, this is stupid. Why does everybody like this? This is bad. Yeah, like it's just it's like an absurd book. Like there's so many like, <laughs> like what are the chances that yeah. it's it, there's no realism there. Even at the time, like reviewers were saying that about this book, you know. Yeah, it just seemed very over the top. I'm very curious to know what the rationale behind picking this book for like our ninth grade curriculum was. Like who picked it? Because at least in New York State, there isn't like a required like every ninth grader has to read these five books or whatever you can like pick and choose district to district so who in our district was like this is what the kids need (laughs) yeah I have no idea yeah that's interesting and it's just like that versus like again what was not allowed to be on our curriculum and what was we had a lot of race science on our curriculum between but like by white people. This one, and I'm thinking about when we read The Awakening by Kate Chopin. Um, we spent like a week learning like the different 
names for like what you would be called if you were like x percentage mixed race yes 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 what like also something the only the only interesting thing that i've taken away from the awakening since reading it twice more since high school is there's this whole other added element that i feel like we never touched on in high school or i'm forgetting about it but when she's having the affair with like what's his name he like goes to Mexico or something and she like thinks that he's like sleeping around with all these Mexican women and she's like really really romanticizing them and like really fetishizing them um, and I do remember that actually now that you say it <laughs> she's like talking about how she can't be like one of these like exotic quote-unquote women and like that's what men want and she feels like intimidated by them and like you know of course they're like over sexualized and like all this racist shit and like major stereotypes and I don't remember us really talking about it um I do briefly but I don't remember it being nearly as much as a thing as the quadroon in the book yeah exactly exactly <laughs> also like Kate Chopin like really loves to write about that shit she really just loves to write about like white passing people being <clears throat> a white person like we read some of her short stories in college too like along with the awakening and there's like her famous one that's like someone's baby and now I don't remember it's not Rosemary's baby <laughs> but um it's something like that and it's, like, a white man who basically, like, accuses his wife of being part black and, like, lying and deceiving him. And then she takes the baby, and I think she drowns herself and the baby. What did the baby But then ever the do? husband realizes that it was him. Like, he, like, looks at oh, old documents. Oh, wait, we read that in high school. Did we? Yes. I didn't remember. Um... Unless I read it in But college. he, like, you know, casts them out of his house, and he's like, get the fuck out. And then he, like, realizes, like, looking in family documentation that it's him that has, like, black lineage and I not her. I think we her. did read that before we read The Awakening. It would make sense that we did. I'm trying to think of, like, other, like, the other, like, things about race that we read. Like, what, we read fucking, what, Othello. We read... Um, I have... Othello is my awakening. I read Othello twice in college um i saw a hip-hop adaptation of othello oh my God. um which was not excellent oh no <laughs> it was an off-broadway version of othello that we got free tickets to it was like after hamilton made it big i've only read it the one time in school um i don't even mind it that I know much but <laughs> i know we read things fall apart too and i yes. really don't remember much about it at all um that was like 10th grade yeah that was in the context of british literature right yes it was i don't know i feel like we could talk forever about like the shit that we read in high school versus like what other people read in high school i do think it's interesting and says a lot about the town what people choose to put on oh, the curriculum i like meant to say too um so many people have read tony morrison in high school we never did yeah. And I got asked in class once if I was from the South because we never read Toni Morrison. And I was like, I'm from New York. I was like, we go to school. Like, I go to school an hour from where I live. Ugh. Or, if, like, from where I grew up. Yeah. And, like, everybody's fucking read The Bluest Eye by the time they're in college. Like, except um, us. Not the, the Regents classes read The Bluest Eye, but we did not. That doesn't make any sense to me. No. 
I feel like, honestly, we didn't have, aside from, like, weird things like this, we didn't have a very censored high school experience. Like, I feel like they threw books like Patch of Blue at us at age 14, and we're like, yeah, you're old, you can handle it, Um, which is good in some ways, because I know, like, a lot of schools don't, like, there's this one, like, Jodi Picoult book that's, like, literally about a school shooter that, like, oh, yes, I know that curriculum, because there was, like, a sex scene in it. But, like, the entire book... Like, why was that even really on violent. school curriculums? <laughs> because kids <laughs> have to learn about school shooters now. That's just the world we live in. I think it's, like, a Columbine-esque thing. Yeah. I've never read it, but I know which book it is. There's, like, a lot of parents um, that complain about content, and then the schools take it off. But we didn't really have that. We had weird content, yeah. but... <laughs> I don't remember anything being taken off, like, at the time that we were in school. I do remember, though, at the end of the year in McCartan's freshman year class, we all, she had us vote on our favorite book, our our most favorite and least favorite book of the year. And I was like in a like major minority, might have been the only one who said Patch of Blue was my least favorite. I don't remember this. And I was shocked. I just remember being shocked. (laughs) Meg McCartan, like, laughed at me. It was, like, a joke. She was like, wow, you really hated this one. I was like, yeah, I did. Like, what? You always had hot takes. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't remember what everybody else, like, overwhelmingly voted for that they hated. Maybe it was Old Man in the Sea, which, like, I did hate, but not as much. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people really hated Old Man in the Sea. I mean, it's boring, but I didn't hate it. I didn't think it was, like, an absurd... it's only, like, 100 pages. Like, you can't hate something that you could finish in, like, an hour. (laughs) I don't... Yeah, and I don't know if it was, like... I think it what you said was true that like I hated Patch of Blue because it was just like outright absurd and I was like this is ridiculous as opposed and like I'm supposed to be buying this as opposed to Old Man of the Sea which is like just boring he's just sitting on a boat yeah and like that's it right so it's like how can you hate that nothing happens how can you hate a book where nothing happens um you just except like just feel like meh about it we had to read that one because that one was true to our experience as people that grew up on an island. Is that really why? <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> it's like saying you hate Grapes of Wrath. It's like, I didn't hate Grapes of Wrath. I feel like it's too long and it's boring. Yeah. But I don't hate it. It's like, whatever. Um, I feel like we... But I was like, this is not the great American novel, you know? Yeah. I feel like we as a class did Grapes of Wrath so dirty. Um, I don't think yeah. we gave it what it needed. We, like, read it in, like, a week, and then yeah. our teachers sang Ghost of Tom Joad to us, and that was it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I would have, I never really, to be honest, in my American literature classes, I really never read any men, <laughs> because I didn't want to. <laughs> so if I had the option, I would always read women. Um, so I, like, never went back to Steinbeck, but um, I remember I got... <laughs> extra credit on my essay on from Grapes of Wrath in that class because I used the word schlepped and our teacher was Jewish and he was like plus five points. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. And I was like, wow, this is the standard by which I do my I do well in this class is just pandering to my Jewish teacher. Pandering to the Jews. Literally not be the points. Can that be the name of this schlepped. podcast? Pandering to the Jews. Yeah. Shall we say sayonara? Enough. Um, what are we doing next week, Shannon? You know our schedule better than me. Oh, next week's Thanksgiving. 
Yes, that's Native American authors, right? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Okay, so we'll be back in a week to talk about some books written by Native American writers for Thanksgiving. All right, I should honestly go back to reading our book club book because yes. I got to finish that shit. <laughs> Read our book club book. Goodbye to the pod. Thank you all for listening again. <laughs> Goodbye to the pod. <laughs> Goodbye, Shannon. Um, I will see you. No, we'll record again before I'm home next. If we record next weekend, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so then I will see you over Zoom one more time. Over Zoom. See you on the internet. (laughs) See you on the internet. And then we can record in person in a couple weeks. Oh, and my computer's about to die. Oh my god. Okay. Goodbye. (laughs) Bye.